welcome to We're Not Sisters, Creepypasta Showdown, episode four. Yay! It's the last of Eleanor Fortnite. Hell yeah, the best Fortnite. And We're Not Sisters is a is a tween is a tween. coming to an end. She's gonna be wow. a teenager soon, going through puberty. Oh, that's not fun. <laughs> not fun. I have a story for us today. Exciting. I mean, it's 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 kind of it's similar to yours. It's yours last time. Like it's like it's cool and like ooh, but it's not like I'm scared because I didn't want to scare myself. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So yeah. I do like stories like that anyway, so it's okay. All good, yay! What's it called? Oh, it's called the Big Man of Arden Street. <laughs> the big, the man. big Man, the Big Boy. You know, he's the Big Man. He's a big boy. <laughs> big boy. <laughs> I'm a big boy now. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! It's got um, got a pretty good rating on Creepypasta. Nine point thirteen out of ten. That doesn't mean anything though, because the ones with good ratings, like I always try to look on the top rated, the ones that were all like nine point four and above, mm. they all suck. Well, most of them suck. I found that, yeah. Or they're it's really cool. short, so it's like not any good. Yeah, because like people like give them a rating, and then it's like, but it's not necessarily scary. That might mean that it was cool, but like. It's not what well, I, I read one when I was looking for yours last time, and it was really weird. I think I mentioned mm. it before, but it was like I don't know. Like this guy, they went, they were going to like an old abandoned um, amusement park that was apparently haunted, and it was going in the right direction. Like I, it was sounding yeah. good, and then turns out the man was just like it was actually all a ploy of his like weird ghost ancestors because he's the prince of hell or something and he needed to remember who he was oh it, sir it was so bad no sir i got to I the end and i was that. like i wasted like an hour reading it no thank you that's true this one this one is good it was quite interesting okay shall i get started you should Okay, I'm reading on my phone, so if you see me reading, I'm reading. reading. I'm going to have to say this all the time now. <laughs> Tradition. If you see Podcast me reading, traditions. I'm reading. I'm reading. Hell yeah. Okay, so, as I said, this is called The Big Man of Arden Street, which makes me laugh, but it's not funny. It doesn't sound like a scary story. sounds like a kid's story. Hmm, it it, it gives like me that kind of vibes when you read it, but it's not. Kids. It sounds like something David Williams wrote. Williams? Williams. What? what? I thought it was Williams. Mm. David Don't ASMR it at me. Just <laughs> no, I was like, I didn't mean to. I was just whispering it to myself, being like, <laughs> like incoherent. Like, you just whisper it and it will sound nicer. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Anyway. Let's get started. So. I lived in the same house my entire life. First of all, do something about that. <laughs> how old? Is, it depends how old they are. This guy, I think he's like in his 30s when he's writing this. Okay, that's From kind of bad. I I'm reading it. Like he has his own family and kids now. So like he inherited the house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I would sell it and leave. Do something about it. Especially, you'll see, you'll see more that I just don't agree with this. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I lived in the same house my entire life. I grew up here, and now I'm raising my own family under this roof. Our home is no mansion, far from it. The Maya are you saying? <laughs> we live in a small terraced house on a narrow back street in North Belfast. At first glance, there isn't much to it, but I never wanted to live anywhere else. That's not a good enough reason. Sorry, Eleanor, it's in Belfast, so you have to read this all in a Northern Irish accent. I can't do that. I'm not allowed. I'm not allowed. 
I'm I'm not from Northern Ireland, so <laughs> I'm not allowed. Their accent's so hard to do anyway. Right? It confuses me. We have a community spirit that is sadly dying elsewhere. The people on our street look out for their neighbours. We know what's happening in each of our lives and know when members of the community need help. I'd like to think that most neighbours are like that, dude. Yeah, like he's saying it like it's something that sets them up from everywhere else. Yeah, no, shut up. That's how communities work. Mm. (laughs) Um, I'll admit, sometimes it can be stifling when all your neighbours know your business, but most of the time they show a genuine concern and a will to help. This close support network is a godsend whenever your family has fallen on hard times or suffered a bereavement. And so, what binds the residents of our wee street so closely together? Now what? Well, their wee street. Oh, their wee street. It's Irish, <laughs> dude. Wee street. I forgot. And so, what binds the residents of our wee street so closely together? Well, to a large extent, it's shared experience. Our street was first constructed in the 1880s during the rapid expansion of Belfast due to the Industrial Revolution. The original Victorian terrace houses were built to accommodate mill workers, but such jobs have long since disappeared. Over 130 years have passed, and there have been obviously significant changes in the area, I would hope, since yes, the 1880s. Since the 18, yeah. <laughs> Cobblestones have been replaced by tarmac, and the old houses were torn down and rebuilt from scratch during the 1980s. Nevertheless, we have so far resisted the forces of urban regeneration and gentrification, and therefore our street retains much of its original character. This story does get better. You just ignore <laughs> Like, yes, my road. So this is the history of when it was built. My road. Um, My wee road. My wee street. (laughs) Some of the families have lived here for three or four generations and through the community has been through a lot during that time. World wars, troubles and depressions to name but a few. We've suffered and survived them all. But of course, other working class communities in Belfast and beyond have had the same experience in history. There is, however, one thing that sets our little street apart from the rest. You see, we have a unique and highly unusual tradition on our street that happens nowhere else. It really takes a while to get to this. (laughs) For almost a century and a half, we have kept a secret from the world. Our people bound together in a near sacred vow of collective silence. Is it It the big man? Shut up, you can't... I'm sure everyone else came to that conclusion as well. <laughs> I still don't know what he is. If you let me speak, well, then yeah, maybe but I'll tell you. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. It is the big man. Well done. Okay. Thank you. It's with great reluctance that I'm breaking this vow after all these generations. I'm only doing so because I truly believe the time has come for people to know the truth. And there's another reason too. I have a warning that the world needs to hear. Uh This is difficult to explain, and so I think it's best to start by describing my first encounter with the big man. (laughs) Sorry, I'm going to laugh every time he says big man, and he says that a lot. Imagine it in a Northern Irish accent as well. Exactly, it's even worse. (laughs) Even worse. Okay. I'm sorry if anyone anyone listening is Northern Irish. I'm not taking the piss out of your accent. Sorry. The year was 1987 and I was only four years old. My younger brother Kevin is a year behind me, so he would have been three at the time. Now this wasn't the first time the big man visited our street. He comes every year on the same night, but not at the same time. Usually he makes an appearance around midnight or in the early hours, when young children are safely tucked away in their beds. But in theory, the big man can appear at any time between dusk and dawn. In 1987, he came early, and so my parents were caught out. I remember we'd just had our dinner, and Kevin and I were watching some TV before bed. Looking back, I suppose my parents were tense on that evening, but you don't really pick up on things like that when you're a child. We only realised something was wrong when the streetlights started to flicker, on and off, three times in quick succession, before coming back on again. That's what happens every year. Even back in the era of gas lanterns, it was the same. We don't know what causes it, but this is the signal. This is how we know he's coming. 
The big one? What if they're having a power cut? No, it's like even when they had gas lanterns, they would still flicker. No, I know, but I'm just saying, like, what if they just happened to be having a power cut at the same time? They'd still, it would still come on because it's magic. No, but he's saying the flickering. Yeah, but it still flickers regardless of if there's electricity to be had. No, no, my point is... <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Like, if there's no electricity, how do the lights no. flicker? No, no, what? no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, what if they were having a power cut or, like, a problem with the power and the lights were flickering on oh. the night? Well, they they themselves. <laughs> I don't think it flickers three times in quick succession. Oh, if I it happened to you, though, that would be a strange coincidence. Yeah, so that's the signal to say that he's coming. I remember my dad going nuts when the streetlights started playing up. His eyes suddenly widened as he shot up from his armchair and screamed at me and my brother, telling us to shut that bloody TV off. Kevin and I both looked back at our father in confusion, not understanding what's going on. My father's anger grew as he clenched his fists and screwed up his face, repeating his order in a tone that left no room for doubt. Turn the television off now or I'll slap some sense into both of you. Kevin and I looked at each other in fear before I acted quickly, switching off the TV set without delay. I remember feeling scared, even at that point. My father wasn't usually an angry or violent man. Sure, he would discipline us children when necessary, but he was never nasty about it. I'd never seen him explode like this before without being provoked. This was my first indication that something was very wrong. The second was when my mother flew into a blind panic, rising up from the sofa and almost pulling her hair out as she ran about the room, shouting incoherently. It's too soon. He's come too soon. We're not ready. The kids are still up. We're not ready. Oh, Calm no, down, when the big man does. The big man's going to do something in a second and then you'll know. Oh, okay. Calm down, woman, for God's sake, my father replied firmly as he grabbed hold of my mother's shoulders and forced her to look him in the eye. It's happening now and we need to get ourselves sorted. Now get these curtains drawn and the lights off. Mum was still terrified, but she regained some level of self-composure now she had a purpose. She followed Dad's instructions by drawing the sitting room curtains, her hands shaking almost uncontrollably as she did so. Next, she switched off the main lamp, leaving the room in darkness, with only a dim light coming from the street. Dad took tight hold of me while Mum held on to Kevin. His embrace was so tight that I almost couldn't breathe. Be quiet, my dad ordered. Don't make a single sound until I tell you it's safe. Do as I say and everything will be fine. I was petrified by this point, as was Kevin. We were both in tears, whimpering and shaking in our parents' arms. Still, we had to trust that mum and dad would protect us from whatever danger was coming. And so, the four of us sat huddled on the floor in our darkened sitting room, waiting in fearful silence. And then we heard it. Footsteps, coming out from the street. Now I call them footsteps, but this doesn't really do the sound justice. Imagine a giant wearing size 20 heavy military boots, slowly but confidently marching down a pavement designed for much smaller men, with every step he takes shaking the ground and emitting a heavy thumping sound. It's the big man. He's big. He's so big. He's so big. <laughs> Thump. Thump, thump. I shuddered at each thud, realising the terrible sound was coming ever closer. Now, just to explain something about my street, like he hasn't already. <laughs> Livy, what you talked about, sir? <laughs> None of the houses have front gardens of any description. Instead, our sitting room windows face directly out on the street. This isn't great for privacy, as it means anyone walking down the pavement can look directly into your front room. Usually this isn't a problem, however, as our neighbours are much respectful and we don't get much traffic on the street. However, on that night, I soon came to a terrifying conclusion, realising that whatever monster was making its way down the road would soon walk right past our front window and we were powerless to stop it. Thump, thump, thump. I let out a terrified yelp as I saw a dark shadow move in front of the window. I would have surely screamed, except my father held his hand over my mouth to prevent it. That's like we the couldn't... worst time for him to react. I was like, after all right of this, there. you now decide to scream? Oh my god. 
stupid child. To be fair, he's four. So. I mean, yeah, but still. Kids do weird things. We couldn't see the man as our curtains were drawn, but I recall clearly glimpsing the massive shadow of a lumbering figure, easily the largest man I'd ever seen, at least seven foot tall and broad-shouldered, with a huge figure blocking out all light. Thump. He took another step and suddenly he stopped. He Uh stood directly in front of the window and slowly turned around. Shifting his huge frame so he was facing directly towards our house. All that stood between us now were the soft fabric of our curtain and a thin glass pane. We couldn't see his face or his eyes, but I got the distinct impression he saw us clearly through the curtain. And I had an eerie feeling that he could see right into our very souls. Mum lost her nerve at this point as she began muttering in panicked bursts, repeating, Please God, not us. Anybody but us, please God. Shut your mouth, woman, my father muttered angrily. It wasn't like him to speak to his wife so abruptly, but under the circumstances, his harsh words seemed justified. The dark figure stood outside our window for what seemed like an eternity, but in retrospect could have only been about a few short seconds. And then, suddenly, he lifted up his huge right hand and formed a fist, reaching out to knock against our window. Bang! The knock was so heavy that I was astonished the thin glass didn't shatter, but somehow it never does. My mother started up again at this point. Oh God, oh God, please no, it can't be happening. I expected Dad to rebuke her again, but he said nothing. I looked up into his eyes and saw pure fear. The mysterious figure knocked once, then stopped. We looked on in frozen terror, waiting helplessly to see what this monster would do next. There followed another long and tense moment before the figure slowly and calmly turned, once again facing the pavement as he continued his slow march down the street. Oh, I got away with it. He just got one knock. We listened cautiously, feeling the tension slowly lift the further he went. To my shame, I'd realised I'd wet myself and the urine had spread all over Dad's jeans. Uh, But he said nothing about it. Yeah, to be fair... That's, that's fine. Do you even get embarrassed about that at four years old? To be fair, at four, you should know how to use the toilet, so it might embarrass you. Yeah, but like... Do you understand embarrassment at four? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like In today's psychology... Have you developed lecture. complex enough emotions yet? <laughs> Literally. So my urine had spread all over Dad's jeans, but he said nothing about it. Instead, he was ecstatic. One knock, he exclaimed after the figure had moved on. One bloody knock, can you believe it? Thank God, Mum proclaimed emotionally. We've been spared. More than that, Dad answered as he got up and reached for the light switch. We're in luck. Our numbers have come up. Damn it, I should have played the bloody polls this week, he said, laughing as he spoke. This is so confusing, but it'll make sense. (laughs) Uh, Neither Kevin nor I understood what this meant, but we felt the same relief as our parents. Clearly, as bad as it had been that night, it could have been much worse. We all slept in the same bed that night, not that any of us got much rest. The next day, we were inundated with sandwiches and cake. My parents laughed and joked with the neighbours. Men patted my dad on the back. No one knows exactly who or what the big man is. Clearly, he is not human, because he appears to be immortal and has supernatural powers or at least the ability to predict the future. Many of our street's residents have expressed theories over the years. The big man has been called everything, from angel, a demon, and a harbinger. I have no idea what that is. Personally, I don't know what he is, but I consider what he does something akin to public service. This doesn't make any sense. That's a very weird take. To be fair, this this sentence does kind of... okay. For better or for worse, he informs us of our destiny. Basically, he has no powers. All he's doing is telling people stuff and that will become clearer later and then I'll remind you at the end. Because all you know is what one knock is at the moment. Okay. There's other, if he does like two knocks, it means... There's other combinations that mean other things. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought, um, I fully thought he was going to like come and eat the children or something. I- thought he was going to grab through no. the thing and be like nom 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 good night yeah like the bfg 
it would be yeah, if you and wouldn't his do brother. that. Yeah. The bad one. They <laughs> the give B- you nightmare. UG. The bug. <laughs> the big unfriendly giant. Or just a fly. <laughs> <laughs> just a fly. Oh my god. Okay. No. I have in my possession a secret history of the big man, dating back to his first recorded appearance in 1886. We have written records thanks to the diligent work of the Hennessy family. Mr. Hennessy was our neighbour for decades before passing from cancer at the age of 73. He carried on the tradition of documenting the big man's appearances as his father and grandfather had done before him. Thanks to this family's dedication, we have a detailed history dating back to the year dot. A record of every time the big man has walked our street, what time he arrived at, and the fate of those who received the dreaded knocks. We don't know why the big man picks on our street specifically. No other street in the area has been subjected to such visits. Ours is a back street leading off a main throughway, but there have never been any reported sightings of a mysterious figure on this busy road. For all intents and purposes, he appears as if from nowhere at the top of our street before disappearing without a trace when he reaches the end. Imagine like yours, like imagine like my street. Yeah, just like a random like little road. Yeah. So weird. Weird. What's more, for several minutes of his lonely walk, it's as if our street is cut off from the rest of the world, like we've been temporarily transported to another plane of existence. It's a terrifying thing, and perhaps it's not best to think about it too much. He came to us the very first year the street was built, and has come ever since. The window knocking I experienced in 1987 is a regular occurrence of his visitations. The number of houses he visits varies year by year, and there is no discernible pattern. Some years he will stop at several houses, the record for one night is six, while other times he only calls on one household. And on a couple of occasions, he's walked through the street without tapping on a single window. He's he was like not no feeling. No news for any of you. You're all fine. Goodbye. <laughs> However, we know one thing for certain: the fates of the families visited will depend on the number of times the big man taps on their window. One knock is for luck, two for misfortune, and three for death. <laughs> That's why they shit themselves when they got at least any knocks. They were like, please stop, please They're stop. Like, please oh stop, God, please, yeah, please don't keep going. <laughs> One, please. That's why my parents were so frightened that night and were so relieved when the big man moved on after a single knock. We were blessed that night, but if the man had knocked one or, God forbid, two more times on our window, well, it doesn't bear thinking about. One knock doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win the lottery. It can mean that someone in your house will pass their exams or gets a new job. Likewise, two knocks can mean anything from an illness or injury, losing a job or getting arrested. After my first experience with the big man in 1987, it was another decade before he called on our family again. On that cold autumn night in 1997, we received two knocks. Uh Uh-oh. And a fortnight later, my dad suffered a heart attack. It was terrifying, but my father had a successful bypass surgery, after which he changed his lifestyle and made a full recovery. Even though we were all scared, I know, right? Even though we were all scared, we knew Dad would pull through because the big man had knocked twice and not three times. Fair enough. That's true, though. (laughs) Yeah. But imagine, uh, I mean, I think my thought at the end. I'm thinking, like... Can't miss can't death be a misfortune though? I think so, but I think in the big man's logic with his knocking no, it's fortune not. is everything except death. Basically, yeah. Yeah. My life. <laughs> he did two knocks on my forehead. Oh my god. <laughs> Three knocks means there will be a death in the household. We've had some tragedies on the street over the years. Everything from undiagnosed illnesses, car crashes, and murder. The big man has never been wrong. That said, three knocks isn't always an unwanted visitation. If a resident is old and suffering from a painful and incurable illness, 
they may very well welcome the prospect of final release. Nevertheless, three knocks is the message that every young family dreads to receive. Well, I can imagine what you're all thinking at this point, and no doubt you have questions. Has anyone ever seen the big man in flesh? Has anyone ever tried to to stop him? And why don't we call the police? (laughs) Excuse me, there is a big man knocking on our window. (laughs) Just tell him to f*** off. He comes once every ten years. (laughs) No, it's once a year. Oh. Oh, yeah, no, he only went to their house once every ten years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Firstly, yes, several people have seen the big man over the decades. Contrary to the beliefs of some, it doesn't do you any harm to look upon the walking figure, although it's recommended you do so from a safe distance. And you must never look him in the eye. I'll explain why later. Many people, myself included, have dared to peek through the curtains over the years and caught a glimpse of the big man living to tell the tale. How would I describe him? Well, as his name suggests, the big man is incredibly large. He is just a man, just a normal man that is just big. Big. (laughs) Almost impossibly large. He's at least seven foot tall, and if you'll excuse my language, built like a brick shithouse. (laughs) Broad-shouldered with a huge frame that would dwarf that of an average adult male. His clothing is consistent with the style of the late 19th or early 20th century, as far as anyone has been able to tell, and he hasn't changed in the past 140 years. What did he wear before that? Or was that when he started coming? I can't do maths. I I don't know either. I think it must be. Yeah, I guess so. 140 years, 1880. Yeah, 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 and the 19th century. Yeah. Clothes is 1800s. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, big brain. Big brain, big man. <laughs> <laughs> His head is often covered by a fedora-style hat, and he wears a long trench coat reaching down to his ankles with the collar turned up to cover his face. Because he's lady. so cool. <laughs> 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 Imagine. That's what happens if you look him in the eyes. He just milady, 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 with his with his collar up. Because he's cool. Oh hell yeah! Oh my yeah. god, this is fitting. I can do it today. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! I'm the big man. Oh, I hope you're not. <laughs> How many times will I not? No, don't, don't, don't. <laughs> I don't want anything from you. Okay. On his feet are heavy military-type boots which emit the impossibly loud thumping sound wherever he walks. Mm -hmm. Other than this, there isn't much to say about the big man's physical appearance. Clearly, he goes to some effort to disguise his true form, and no doubt there is a good reason for this. Also, it has proved impossible to photograph or video the big man during his annual visit. Many have tried over the years, but the film is always corrupted. With regards to the police, well, we live in a community where we don't usually involve the authorities as we prefer to deal with things ourselves. Besides, what would we tell them? There's a seven-foot-tall paranormal entity walking down our street randomly tapping on people's windows? I think not. Exactly, that's what I thought too. Oh, and before you ask, several priests have attempted to carry out exorcisms on our street over the years, but to no avail. (laughs) But he's not like... Doing anything bad. He's not causing the death and the misfortune. He's He's just just telling you. Yeah, he's telling you this is going to happen. Because it doesn't happen immediately. Like, it happens like a few weeks later. Yeah. I think he's just like... he can tell you the good things are happening too. Yeah, exactly. He's not like, hmm. You die. Now you die. Now you die. There have been, in fact, three recorded occasions during our street's history where persons have attempted to interfere with our visitor as he carries out his rounds. The first occurred in 1891, a few years after the big man had first appeared. A group of local men had grown tired of the big man's visit and so armed themselves with clubs, bats and knuckle dusters intending to run the visitor off the street. I also love how they got tired of it, but he'd only been 
He only comes once a year and he'd only only been coming for a few years. He'd literally only been coming for 11 years. Okay, that's a fairly long time, but still, that's only 11 times. Like, dude, imagine he's going to come 140 times. <laughs> Thank you. Get used to it. Mr. Hennessy's grandfather wrote an account of the event in his journal, describing how the gang of toughs lost their nerve whenever they saw the figure approach, fleeing from their scenes and taking refuge inside their homes. Fragile masculinity. Who is surprised? <laughs> it was more than 80 years later before anyone dared to confront the big man again. The year was 1972, and the troubles were at their height. There was a man called Hughes who lived in number 12. Hughes was a member of the parliamentary group whose name I won't mention and he had a reputation for being a hothead. Anyway, in the run-up to the 1972 visit, Mr Hughes began bragging to his neighbours saying how he planned to kill the big man once and for all. He was warned you, against- I'm sure you will. It warned against such a rash course of action by many, including Mr. Hennessy's father, but Hughes took no notice. That night, he armed himself with a fully loaded revolver and set up a rather crude trap, removing the front of his letterbox to use as a firing slit. Laying in wait, I can't lie. Honestly, though, laying in wait. Hughes stood guard on one knee by his front door and opened fire at point-blank range whenever the big man crossed his doorstep. Now, there's some debate as to whether the six bullets went straight through his frame or if the bullets struck his body and simply failed to make any impact. In any event, the big man didn't react at all to the attack. He simply kept on walking. Honestly, if someone tried to shoot me six times when I was just doing my public service once every year, I would not have kept walking. I would have gone and knocked on his window. Yeah, we're like, you know what? Do you know what you get for that? You get three knocks. <laughs> you know what I'm going to do? Show me your window. Just, you, just, he turns you and like looks through the letterbox slit like, really? You know where I'm going to go? Really? Your window. <laughs> Number 12, is it? Let's Number go. 12, yeah, don't worry. I'll remember you. Don't, worry, don't you worry. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. I didn't read the next He didn't keep walking. <laughs> so he did simply keep walking. That is for another six yards. At which point he turned to face Mr. Hughes's front window, tapping the glass three times. <laughs> <laughs> it's what um, he deserved. Sure enough, Hughes was shot dead in a gun battle with the army five days later. I mean, he might have knocked on his window anyway, though. I think he was going there anyway, and then he just happened to be shot at. Yeah, and he was just like, oh, this guy. You can try, dude. There are those to this day who argue that the big man had punished Hughes for his violent attack. I don't believe this, nor did the late Mr. Hennessy. We believe Mr. Hughes was always marked for death, regardless of the reckless shooting he carried out. To be fair, if Mr. Hughes was so quick to go and shoot someone for walking down the street and knocking on people's windows, yeah, he, he was going to die in a gunfight. <laughs> Not surprised. Exactly. Could have gone and knocked on his window myself. I don't need the big man's magical powers to know That'd that. That's such a good prank. To like fuck with the the streetlights, and then dress up like you know, like the like two with kids, stilts. yeah, and a trench coat, and just knocking up because nobody's gonna look out their window and check that it's him. Oh my god, true. But then, like, what if the real one came? Oh, then you're. F-ed. Imagine there's two of you. And you're but like, like oh. I'm curious. Like, what if you're just out on the street, like at the same time as him? There Does is a kind of thing that happens later. Oh, okay. But, like, I can just imagine that, you know, the Spider-Man meme where it's like... <laughs> <laughs> pointing at each other, like... That would be so funny. God. Okay. Having studied and analysed the big man's visits over the decades, Mr. Hennessy was unable to identify any obvious pattern or correlation. The big man doesn't appear to reward good people or punish bad ones. Likewise, some households have received multiple visits in the last few years, 
while others haven't had a knock on their window in decades. It all seems so random and not at all subject to an ordained plan. Personally, I don't believe the big man is in any way malicious. In many ways, he is a simple messenger, but that is not to say he isn't dangerous to us mere mortals, and the tragic fate of Mr Johnston attests to this. Mr Johnston lived at number 23. He was, I'm sorry to say, an alcoholic. To be fair to him, he was a functioning alcoholic for most of his adult life, holding a job and providing for his family. Love a man who can multitask. But then one year, he received two knocks on his front window and soon after got laid off by his employer. His alcohol problem only worsened after this misfortune. He wasn't ever able to find a new job and what little money he had was always squandered away on drink. Eventually, his wife had enough and moved out, taking the two sons with her. Mr Johnston was rarely sober and his life was a total shambles. Nevertheless, he wasn't a violent or aggressive drunk and became more of a nuisance than anything else. He was still a member of our community, however, and all his neighbours chipped in to make sure he was okay. Tidying the house, making sure he ate, running him to A&E whenever he fell over and hurt himself. We tried to get him... That's a regular thing that they had to do for him. A&E with him. Oh, Mr Johnston's fallen again. <laughs> Whose turn is it to take him to A&E? We tried to get him sober and get his act together, but there's not much you can do for a man who lacks the will to change. The year was 1999, and it was coming up to the night of the big man's annual visit. No one had seen Mr Johnston for a few days, but he had a reputation for going on lengthy benders, and he always made his way home eventually. We therefore expected him to turn up at some point, but I don't think anyone could have imagined the tragedy that would befall the poor man on that awful night. The big man came as always, arriving at the top of the street shortly before midnight and walking his route as he always did. Several of the residents, including myself, were nervously watching his progress from behind drawn curtains, quietly praying that we wouldn't receive bad news. All was going to plan, so to speak, until we heard a loud ruckus coming from the far end of the street. I remember the moment vividly and we can still recall the horror I felt when I saw a drunk Mr Johnston staggering along the road, singing an incoherent ballad as he went. Mr Johnston was drunkenly making his way down the street from one end while the huge figure of the big man slowly came from the other way. So they're going to meet in the middle. If no one intervened, the two would meet in the middle of the street and God knew what would happen to the poor and hapless Mr Johnston. I'm so curious as to what's going to happen. Well, I'll tell you. Is he just, uh, okay. Put your guesses in. He's just going to trample him. Like he's just going to keep walking and just like completely walk over him and he died. Interesting. Any other guesses, or is that your final? I can't think of anything else, so I'm going to go with that. He just gets trampled to death. Okay. I was only 16 at the time, but I still feel guilty to this day that I did nothing to save the poor man. I wanted to open the window and shout out a warning, but I was frozen in terror. In fact, there were at least a dozen residents watching this terrible event unfold, hiding in darkened rooms and peeking through curtains. Not one of them made a move or called out a warning. We were all impotent and helpless observers to the tragedy that was about to unfold. Mr Johnston virtually stumbled into the big man, the sight reminding me of a shallow wave breaking against a solid wall of rock. The big man's reaction was extremely unnerving. He did something he'd never done before, stopping dead in his tracks, facing the baffled Mr Johnston at a distance of only a few short metres. Johnston struggled to stand and focus his eyes on the huge and frightening figure blocking his path. His song abruptly ended as he saw his assailant and finally realised the extreme danger he was in. As his drunken stupor was replaced by absolute terror. Then the big man did something else he had never done before. Slowly and precisely, he lowered the collar on his trench coat ever so slightly. From my position... What? Just a little bit. That's all you need. From my position, I could see little, but it was obvious that Mr Johnston could, 
From where he stood, he would have been able to stare directly into the big man's face or whatever it was he hid under the collar and hat. I'll never forget the look of absolute terror etched across Mr Johnston's ghostly pale face in that moment. I'd never seen a human being so frightened in all my life. Poor Mr Johnston remained frozen in place for somewhere between 5-10 to seconds. He was staring into an abyss, seemingly unable to avert his gaze. And then, all of a sudden, he fell down. His body simply collapsed onto the road as if all the life had been drained out of him. The awful sight reminded me of a puppet suddenly having its strings cut all at once. The big man paused for just a moment before carefully readjusting his collar, stepping over Mr Johnston's lifeless body and continuing his march down the road. Did he die? He did. He very much did. He literally just died? Yeah. Mercifully, no one received a knock on their window that night, but the damage had already been done. Nobody dared to step out onto the street until we knew he he was gone. By the time we went to Mr Johnston's aid, it was already too late. The paramedic said he had suffered a massive heart attack and died instantly. I want to know what the hell he saw. Did he, like, suck the life and soul out of him? That's what I was thinking, and that's why he's immortal. How is that? That's why he's been coming for so many years, because... Yeah, but he's never done that before, and the Hennessy's write down what he does at every... Oh, true. I don't know. Maybe he does it somewhere else. Maybe the more windows he knocks on, the more money he gets. Like, as in money, as in, like, more life he gets back. More money he gets. So, like, maybe he's like, oh, if you like, that's his job. A misfortune, you get half of a life. If you give out three knocks, you get a whole life. Yeah. And then something like that. Kind of like, oh, basically in Death Note. Sorry, like in Death Note, right? Mm. So you have the Shinigami, which is um, like the god of death. Mm. And they own the Death Notes. So when you write someone's name down in it, you can write that, like, it's their job to, like, yeah. kill people when it's their time. Yeah. And, Maybe like, write how they die and stuff as well. Yeah. I think that's the same thing. He's a god of death. That's what I think he's a Shinigami. Okay. Okay. Cool beans. Yeah, so he was already dead. He had a heart attack. Goodbye. Um. The Naturally, we didn't tell them what really happened that night. You don't tell paramedics that a big man came and looked him in the eyes. Yeah, they're going to be like, okay, we can need to uh, section all of you now. <laughs> Come with us. Given Mr. Johnston's history of substance abuse, the authorities didn't ask too many questions. His death was written off as due to natural causes. But everyone on our street knew there was nothing natural about what happened on that awful evening and no one ever spoke of confronting the big man again. Uh, That's a good idea. Well, it was a good idea before people died. I wouldn't even... Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, but like now, you know, definitely don't. (laughs) Yeah. So life went on. The big man continued to make his visit once a year. The night is always tense and nerve-wracking, but for better or worse, we've always gone through it. His visits are like the weather, sometimes good, sometimes bad, but there's no way to change it. And so the residents of Arden Street have simply learnt to live with this unique and unexplainable annual occurrence. So you might be asking why I've decided to break our code of silence after all of these decades. Why am I speaking now and telling people about something that only affects our wee street? And that's just the thing. It isn't just about Arden Street anymore. After what happened during the big man's last visit, I believe the time has come for the world to know the truth. Before I describe to you the events of that fateful night last autumn, I think it's worth telling you more about myself and how my life has turned out. Sarah, I don't care about you. Just tell me about the big man. Literally. I'm, I'm in my late the big man. <laughs> I'm in my late 30s now, and I've been married for 16 years to my husband, Stephen. Stephen is a local boy, but he didn't grow up on our street, so he had no previous knowledge of the big man or his annual visits. Stephen didn't believe me when I first told him of our bizarre tradition. I don't know why he calls it a tradition. It's not tradition. Yeah. It's the night of the big man. Let us have a feast. Imagine if they had, like, a a street party. 
and invited him. I don't Happy think the big man years. would like that. I think he would. Happy 200 years when he hits that milestone. I think he would kill them all. I'd like to see it. He'd make his, He'd put his collar down and he'd get to work. <laughs> he'd waste no time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Stephen didn't believe me when I first told him of our bizarre tradition. He assumed I was playing a joke on him. But after he saw it for himself, he never questioned me again. We've had a happy marriage all in all. There's been ups and downs like in any relationship, but for the most part, it's been good. And that didn't add anything to the story. Thank you for yeah, telling me the state of your marriage. Why to know that? Thank you. Just a filler sentence. What is his name? I know his brother's called Kevin and his husband's called Stephen, but what is his name? I have absolutely no idea. I thought I remember his brother's name, who's a year younger than him. Okay. My parents retired to a bungalow up in the north coast, while Steve and I took the house, soon starting a family of our own. We've been blessed with two wonderful children, our eldest Tom, now 15, and our daughter Jenny, aged 12. We are not a wealthy family, but we make do, and we live in a very supportive community. I love my family and my neighbours, and I count myself very lucky to have them in my life. Okay, whatever. The big man, we're here for the big man only. <laughs> the other thing to say about myself is that I've inherited the task of recording the big man's annual visit to our wee street, taking over the job from Mr. Hennessy after he passed away. I'm sorry, Mr. why, <laughs> why can street? he only say the word street if he puts we before it? Every right. single time. That's it. His wee street. Wee Street is a wee Is wee wee street sports? Yes. Do, 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 that's a good. Do, 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 do. Well, now that's going to be in my head forever. <laughs> I had it in my head as well. So, Mr. Hennessy was our neighbour for decades, and he and his wife were like family to us. I became particularly close with Mr. Hennessy after his wife passed away. The couple had never had children, so he was lonely after losing his wife and I felt it was my responsibility to look after him. Then, in 2015, the poor man received three knocks on his window from the big man, and soon after, he was diagnosed with terminal lung cancer. Oh no. I was devastated upon hearing this, but Mr. Hennessy took the bad news philosophically, saying he'd lived a good life, but now his time had come. He did, however, ask for one favour from me before he passed away. He wanted me to continue his family's legacy and take on responsibility for recording the big man's annual visits. I was reluctant, to be honest. This task was more of a burden than an honour, but I didn't feel I could refuse Mr Hennessy's dying request, so I said yes. As I said, life went on. I raised my family and recorded the unique history of our street, adding to the Hennessy family journal year by year. Thankfully, my own family didn't receive any visits for several years, that was until last autumn. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, like, dun. My, like my first encounter with the big man back in 1987, last year's visit was an early one, coming shortly after dusk. We were all sitting together in the living room, Stevie and I watching TV while Tom and Jenny were playing with their smartphones. Did they mean to have their kids called like almost Tom and um, Jerry? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't you think about that. Tom and Jenny, Tom and Jerry. I do yeah. love that cartoon. Let's name our kids after them. Bloody weird, that is. <laughs> As always, we were all slightly nervous, but the kids are old enough now to know the score, and I felt confident that we can get through anything that came, as long as we stuck together as a family. The streetlights flickered on and off three times just after 7pm, prompting my son Tom to swear out loud. Oh, sh- he said. Can I just add a side note? Why is he acting like, oh, I'm sure we can get through this, blah, 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 as if they need to do anything? There's nothing you can do. As long as you don't go out looking for him. Only, yeah. only like, the why that do they all have to happen. turn their lights off and be scared? Like, I get yeah, drawing cause... the curtains in case you look him in the eyes. Yeah, but, like, whatever's going to happen is already going to happen. Exactly, just that's what I mean. Like, why can't yeah. you just sit? Like, why do you have to be sit and be quiet? Exactly. So you can hear the knocks, maybe? But you don't need to turn the lights off to hear knocks. No, exactly. Like, they're <laughs> acting like it's a f***ing... 
uh, air raid or something. Yeah, blackout. <laughs> okay. Mind your language, young man. Even when the big man comes in that as well, Tom. <laughs> He's bloody early this year, my husband added nervously. It's not unknown, I replied, whilst trying to exert confidence in my voice. He's come early oh, before. I calm down. I don't know why he's being like a smart ass about it. No, why is he so up. cocky about it? Look, he's come early before and it makes no difference to how things turn out. Okay. Okay. We know this that. <laughs> this much was true, but nevertheless, I felt very uneasy. I couldn't stop myself thinking back to that night in 87 when I was terrified. When I was terrified and peed my pants like a little baby. Exactly. <laughs> but now I had my own family to protect and so I needed to stay strong. You, don't, you can't protect. Anyway. Before long, <laughs> we heard the ominous sound of the big man's heavy boots thumping forcefully against the pavement. We went through our usual routine, quickly drawing the curtains, switching off all lights and electrical devices, suddenly sitting in the dark as we waited for our visitor to pass. Why do you have to turn off electrical devices? Oh, shit, I, let my, I left my iPad charging upstairs. <laughs> oh. I don't get it. The sound grew louder and louder. Before long, the dark shadow of his huge frame would pass by our front window. I quietly prayed he would let us be. The odds were we'd be fine, but you could never tell. And suddenly there he was, the giant figure blocking out the lights from the street, his ominous silhouette clearly visible through our thin curtains. My daughter Jenny gasped in awe and terror. I grabbed hold of her, holding her hand up to her mouth and telling her to keep quiet. But to my horror, yeah, keep quiet. not your hand. Uh -huh. No, I know, but she. Uh, this is yeah. like. Why would you grab someone else's hand? Yeah, Why can't you just grab your own hand? She's like, Ugh, I'm not touching your mouth, Jenny. <laughs> Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> but to my horror, I saw the big man had stopped dead in his tracks, and I watched him slowly turn to face our window. Sweet Jesus, Stephen swore under his breath. I looked to the faces of my children and saw their fear. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay, my little kiddies, my wee children. My wee children and my wee <laughs> I didn't want to show my children how scared I truly was. We waited breathlessly, watching in horror as the big man lifted his enormous arm, forming a solid fist and reaching out to knock on the glass. Bang! I felt my whole body tremble as the ominous sound reverberated throughout our small living room. One knock, one for luck. Would my family be lucky once again? Somehow I doubted it. Bang. The second knock. Two for misfortune. Jenny started to sob. I held her hand so tightly. We can survive this, I remember thinking. Whatever life throws at us, we can get through it. Just as long as... Bang. The third knock. Three for death. Ah. Are you smiling? <laughs> Please, God, no, I swore as I felt a sickness rising from the pit of my stomach. In a panic, I glanced across at Stephen and saw the shocked horror in his eyes. We talked about this nightmare scenario once before, praying that if worse came to worse, death would take one of us. The thought of losing one of the children was too horrible to contemplate. I was still reeling from the terrifying implications when I heard it. Bang. A fourth knock. I was uh -huh. in a state of utter shock. How could this be possible? Had I miscounted? Four knocks, Tom confirmed, as if reading my mind. There was something evident in my son's eyes that I should have picked up on, but I was too distracted. Four knocks. This had never happened before, not in a century and a half of our street's history. My mind was racing in that moment. What could this mean? What horrific outcome could four knocks signify? A fate worse than death itself? Everybody's dead. Your whole house dies. I'm taking the house. Get out. <laughs> I'm evicting you. You've been here too long. <laughs> Whatever it meant, we would have to work it out ourselves as the big man turned towards the pavement and continued his walk down the road. It would have ended there, I suppose, but what happened next completely took me off guard. Now, Tom has always worn his heart on his sleeve. 
He's got a good heart and always cares about his family and friends. If he gets in a fight at school, it's usually because he's defending some other kids from bullies. That said, he's an impulsive teenager, prone to acting without thinking of consequences. And this is exactly what happened that night. Is he going to go outside and be like, hey, Mr. Big Man, what does that mean? Tell me. It all happened so fast. Before either Stephen or I had a chance to intervene, Tom obviously saw Red letting his emotions get the better of him. In an instant, he was up on his feet, sprinting out of the room, heading straight for our front door. Jenny was the first to react. She broke from my embrace, screaming, Tom, don't do it. Before I could stop her, Jenny had taken off after her brother. Stephen and I jumped and chased after our children, screaming at them to come back, but it was already too late. I ran out to the corridor and to my horror saw Tom open the front door and charge out onto the street. Jenny meant to follow her brother but Stephen acted quickly, physically grabbing our daughter and holding her back while she kicked and screamed wildly. Without thinking, I pushed past them and dashed out onto the pavement. This was an action I'd never thought I'd take on the night of his visits but my son's life was in danger and so I had no choice. I came out onto the road to witness a horrifying scene. My son's anger had not diminished as he stood behind the big man and screamed out on the top of his lungs, What the f*** do you want from us? Why can't you leave us alone? Somebody had to say it. (laughs) Honestly. Someone had to say it. But Um, he doesn't want anything from you. I'm so confused. Like, is knocks mean you can't complain he's literally not inconveniencing you in any way yeah exactly for a short time it seemed as if the whole world stood still to my abject horror i saw the giant figure of the big man stop in his tracks and slowly turn in tom's direction in that moment i couldn't help but remember what had happened to mr johnston all those years ago i wasn't going to let the same fate befall my son I was determined to save him, even if it meant sacrificing myself to do so. In an instant, I sprinted across the road and threw myself on top of Tom, tackling my son down to the ground. He yelped in shock and pain, and I lay on top of him, frantically whispering in his ear, Stay down, whatever you do, don't look at his face. We both trembled in each other's arms as we lay on the cold tarmac, quietly praying for our salvation. I heard Stephen shouting my name from the doorway. Stay where you are, I cried back without looking up. All was silent for the next few seconds and then we heard it. Thump, thump, thump. I glanced up ever so slightly and was horrified to see the foreboding figure slowly walking towards us, walking back, retracing his steps. This had never happened, not in 140 years. The big man had always walked from one end of the street to another. Never had he ever marched the other way, until now. I didn't dare look up and was unable to move an inch, instead simply clutching hold of my son as I sought to protect him from what was coming. Why didn't they run? Yeah. Would you not get up and run at that point? You'd have to lie face down on the tarmac. Yeah, just get up and run the other way. So you're not (laughs) looking at him. Tom was openly sobbing by this point. I silently cursed him for putting us in such severe danger why would imagine if they were like your last moments you're like this kid dude you if he hadn't gone outside none of this would have happened men (laughs) thump 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 the big man was almost on top of us now his heavy black boots only inches from my head a terrible stench emanated from underneath his trench coat it smelt like death Ew. The terror I felt in that moment was unlike anything I had previously experienced. I didn't just fear for my life, but also for my soul. But despite everything, maternal instinct remained strong. Don't look up, I whispered to whimpering Tom. He stood over us for what seemed like an eternity. I would never have predicted what happened next. For the first time in recorded history, the big man spoke. His voice was deep and booming, more godlike than any sound a human could ever admit. And what he said was this. It is coming. You must prepare them. What is coming? Who's coming? Prepare who? 
and with that you were the thing that we were preparing for big man (laughs) and with that he turned on his heels and began walking back in the opposite direction slowly progressing until he reached the end of the street where he disappeared into thin air tom and i survived that horrendous night but our entire entire family were left traumatized by those bizarre and unprecedented events as were the other residents of our street Several months have passed and so far no terrible fate has befallen our family, although we still live in fear. I've spent countless hours and sleepless nights trying to make sense of that night. The four knocks, the big man's cryptic words, what is coming, who must me prepare. I don't know for sure, but I think this is bigger than me, bigger than us. I believe whatever catastrophe the big man has warned of is something that will affect society as a whole and not just our little back street. This is why I'm going public. I need to get this information out there. I don't know what is coming or what we must do to prepare, but I pray someone out there does because I fear we're fast running out of time. Oh my God, was it coronavirus? That's what I was thinking. Like, is it, is it climate change or something? But that's it. When was this written? Um, how do I see that? Oh. This was last month. It was written last month? Yeah. Oh, it was definitely about coronavirus then. (laughs) Wow. I like the big man. Mm. I think they gave him some unnecessary stick, you know? He's trying to... He only killed one guy who, like, bumped into him. Fair enough. And, you know, maybe he can't help that. Maybe, like, it's... It's an involuntary response. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows what he is, what's coming, who we prepare, but as long as it stays in that wee street in Ireland, we'll be fine. (laughs) Imagine we start hearing knocks on our windows. Oh, no. Mm -mm -mm. I know what I'm going to do when I come to a house next. You're going to knock on my window? I'm going to dress up in a trench coat and a fedora and military boots. And I'm going to somehow grow Make yourself seven over two feet tall. taller than I am. Um, yes. And then we'll be fine. And then you have to smell of death also. Okay. I can do that. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I think that's How would I know? I want to know what he looks like underneath the trench coat. I'm so curious. Should I Google the big man? Yeah, I'm going to do it or too. Or is this going to be one of the smart dog situations where once we've seen it? We'd... <laughs> the smart dog wasn't that bad, though. But it wasn't the real smart dog, though. No. Everything that comes up is Slenderman. But yeah, um, this story, I'm going to have to give it like a five spooks out of ten. I'm not going to lie. Ugh. <sighs> I think he just talked about his wee street too much. If he hadn't have said it up so long and then... I like the big man. Yeah. I think but... the further you get into the story, you realise how it's not scary because he doesn't... Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. It's not scary and I don't like the narrator. Yeah. Also, I'm starting to wonder, is the narrator actually a woman? I think it was. They never actually said... Calling... We've been calling them a, a he the whole time. When I first read it, I thought it was a he. And so that. Yeah, and then when you were like, oh, when they were like, oh, I've been living with my husband, I was like, oh, he's gay. Yeah, that's what I thought the first time I read it. And then when I read it again, I was like. <laughs> but then she was like, oh, we had children. And I'm like, oh, did you. They would. Surely they would have said adopted. I mean, they don't right? have to. I mean, you don't have to, but like, I feel like it would have. I don't think the gender of the narrator is going to make any difference to this story. No, I know, but I just I just noticed that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, not very scary. I don't like the narrator, whether it's uh, whoever they are. So We stand the big man. Yes, I stand the big man. I hope he comes to my house, but only ever knocks once. With that, we shall leave it here. Next week is a what's going on, as we always do. 
going to find some nice little topics to talk to you about and something very important to talk to you about. Thank you all for listening and if you enjoyed, please leave support in any way you can. Like, comment, subscribe, add your library, tell your friends. That's our favourite part, telling your friends. And we'll be back next week. Oh, and follow us on Twitter and TikTok at We Not Sisters. TikTok has two S's on the end. And there's good TikToks on there. Yes. There's a good one of us doing tequila shots. You should go look at that one. It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you for listening. And bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.